This is Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager, Canada's national source for the latest agronomic research, crop production, and technology trends. You've tuned in to hear conversations about relevant research, best production practices, and everything in between. I'm a hard-working nitrogen granule just like anyone else. I never used to take this nitrogen gig too seriously, but now I have a wife and kids to think about. So, I wear this ESN polymer coating. Protects me from nitrogen loss on the job site until crops need me. No worries. The ESN coating makes me a smarter, more responsive nitrogen. Want to learn more? Come check me out at smartnitrogen.com. Hi, I'm Stephanie Crowley, the editorial director of Top Crop Manager magazine, and welcome to another episode of Inputs. In this episode, I am joined by Todd Latimer with Nutrien. Todd, thanks for joining us today. Could you start by introducing yourself to our listeners? Hi, yeah. Uh, my name is uh, Todd Latimer, uh, and I'm a sales manager with Nutrien. Uh, and I also do a little uh, moonlighting in the marketing side, uh, specifically with our, our specialties products, uh, and namely ESN is the, the one that I spend a lot of my time with here in Western Canada. Great. Well, we're happy to have you on the on the podcast today with us, Todd. And today we're going to get started uh, just by talking a little bit about nitrogen loss and keeping fertilizer in fields is something that's always important to farmers. Um, so let's chat about nitrogen loss and and how specifically does that occur? What happens? Absolutely. Yeah. There's there's really three main ways that you can uh, lose your nitrogen, and that's through volatilization, which um, if you surface apply your fertilizer, if you think if you float it on or spread it on the surface. Um, and then, you know, you'll get uh, maybe some hot or dry, windy weather. It, it volatilizes up into the atmosphere. You can lose it that way. Uh, we have denitrification where think of it as uh, your, your nitrogen is in the ground, uh, but then you get a big rainfall event and you start to see those puddles and ponds uh, forming out in your field. Uh, the, you know, oxygen uh, cannot get to the, the, the fertilizer below and, and uh, the microbes in the soil. And so then you start to see it gas off up into the atmosphere and it gets lost that way. And then the third one is leaching, which uh, most people are familiar with where it's uh, in the soil. And then you have, a, again, have a heavy rainfall event and, and it just kind of leaches down below the root zone and the, the plant can no longer get to it. So those are our three main, uh, main ones that we see here uh, in Western Canada for sure. Great. And are there some crops that are more susceptible to end loss than others? I would say not so much crops, uh, Stephanie. It's, um, uh, you know, nitrogen really doesn't discriminate when it comes to loss. I think it's, uh, we see more the soil types have a larger effect on that than, than maybe the crops per se. So you'd see uh, if you have, happen to have sandy soils on your farm, then it's, it's quite susceptible to leaching, uh, which we talked about there. Uh, if you have loam soils, uh, they're maybe not as prone. And then clay loams, uh, it's a little bit less. So uh, like a rule of thumb we use uh, is kind of an inch of rain. If you have an inch of rain event, um, you'll have sandy soils. You can you know, see that nitrogen leach seven to 10 inches down in the ground. If you have a loam soil, you'll see it leach maybe more like five inches. And then if you have clay loam soils, it's more like three inches. So yeah. Depending on, it's really dependent on the soil types that each each grower has out there and uh, and works with. 
Okay. That's great. Now you already kind of mentioned um, what happens when we get a rain event, but also in terms of, you know, the opposite and having a really dry event, of course, in 2021, uh, Western mm-hmm. Canada experienced incredible drought like conditions. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously I, I would assume that would impact soil nitrogen levels as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, uh, last year was one of those years where we, uh, had everything going where, you know, commodity prices were, were looking good. And then we just didn't get the moisture that we needed mm-hmm. to uh, fulfill the yield potential of our crops here in Western Canada and in a lot of areas. So yeah, when it's dry like that, uh, the plant becomes under stress and it's, it just doesn't uptake that nitrogen. It's trying to use every little bit of water and moisture it can find in the soil. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't uptake any nitrogen uh, at all. It kind of shuts down in a way. Uh, and so what we've seen this year, uh, I know some farmers have uh, done soil tests this fall. There's, there's residual in it just, mm-hmm. you know, some of it will maybe immobilize a bit in the soil, but there's a lot of it carried over that didn't get used from last year. So as we go through the winter, uh, we'll see kind of what we get for snowfall across the prairies here. Uh, keep again in the spring when that, that snow melts, we may see some of that uh, residual nitrogen leach again. So it'll be important for farmers to, to get some soil tests uh, early in the spring, just to get an idea how much is still there. But, um, but yeah, it, it definitely a dry year like that. Uh, the one good news about it is there's some residual nitrogen out there that uh, they can factor into this year when they're growing their crop. If there was one, uh, one bright spot in, yeah. in 2021, um, but it's right. true you know, we, we always, we, we can't stop talking about it. And I've said this in previous interviews with other folks too, uh, because there's always impacts, long-term impacts of a drought like that in the case of Western Canada, you know, knowing kind of having a baseline of what you're dealing with going into this coming season is going to be especially important this year, uh, especially absolutely. when it comes to fertilizer. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Definitely. Uh, Given, given the cost of, of fertilizer and how much it's gone up this year, you know, normally you want to uh, be on top of your soil tests uh, and know what's going on in the soil every year. But I think this year, absolutely, you can't afford not to, to have those tests. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And you mentioned the fertilizer costs, um, you know, increasing, and, and that's something that's we're continuing to see. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, keeping fertilizer in, in your fields and preventing that loss is going to be more important than ever. Um, so are there things that producers can do to prevent nitrogen loss from, from happening in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. I think another, um, uh, one that we kind of promote as an industry is, and I think most people have heard of is four R's, right? You have the, Mm -hmm. the right source or right product, the right rate, the right time and the right place. Um, where you're placing your seed and what kind of rates and uh, you know, the timing of the spring when you're putting it in the ground and, and, uh, and, and making sure you have the right products, uh, you know, to feed that crop. So that's, that's the, the building block, I would say is the baseline that we want to start with for sure. And then uh, I think as we continue to go, um, you know, towards some of the sustainability goals that are being uh, outlined by our government and other governments around the world, um, we want to go probably into more like an enhanced efficiency fertilizer that that gives you a little extra boost. Uh, they all have different properties, some delay release, some are slow release, some are controlled release. Uh, there's different products out there in the market, but the enhanced efficiency basically is just that. They're trying to enhance the efficiency of the fertilizer that you're working with, and, and that can hopefully help reduce some of that nitrogen uh, being lost in, in one of the three uh, ways we mentioned earlier there. 
Okay. It's, it's, you know, we always talk about some of the factors in farming that we can't control. So, you know, after a, an unpredictable year and every year is going to be unpredictable, mm-hmm. but, uh, there, there are always going to be factors that we, um, that we can control. And so, you know, choosing products I'm sure is, uh, definitely something that, uh, that growers give a lot of thought to. Um, and so let's go back to a couple of those products that you mentioned. You talked a little bit about a controlled release fertilizer. Um, and I know nutrient has one available and could you share a little little bit of information about that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, try and control the controllables as you say. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, so yeah, what we've uh, actually been manufacturing ESN, which for those that aren't aware, stands for environmentally smart nitrogen. Uh, We've been manufacturing it uh, outside of Calgary at Carsland at our plant there for 20 years now, or just, this is over 20 years now. So it's hard to believe it's been that long. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, we've seen good steady growth with that product over those two, those 20 years. And Really what it is for, for those that aren't familiar with the product, uh, it's really just a urea granule that we put a really thin polymer coating on over top. Uh, it's uh, half the thickness of a human hair uh, on your head. And it basically uh, you know, kind of encloses inc- that urea granule. And then it just is water kind of um, seeps in or you know, diffuses into that, uh, through that polymer membrane and into the granule. It dissolves into a urea solution and then slowly releases it back out uh, into the soil to, to feed the plant. So think of it like um, spoon feeding it uh, at a slower rate. So as mm-hmm. as um, and a lot of people think, you know, it's it's moisture driven. I have to have so much moisture in my field. Not the case. If there's enough, generally speaking, you know, if there's enough moisture in the soil to uh, germinate the seed, mm-hmm. there's enough there for ESN to start working. So that moisture, once that urea solution starts uh um, diffusing back through the polymer. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we, as we see, it's more temperature driven than anything. So if you see the okay. temperature rise in the soil um, and start to warm up in the spring, then it'll start to release at a faster rate, just as you'd see your plant. Uh, if you had a, a fall crop that uh, came out, you know, was sitting there um, dormant in the spring, in the, in the spring, as it starts to warm up, it starts to kickstart and grow faster and faster. Same with ESN, it'll start to release. Uh, faster as the weather warms up. So uh, we typically see up to 90 days, depending on the, the soil temperature, mm-hmm. but really we kind of see an average, it's probably 75 to 85 days in that range. It'll fully release into the soil uh, and, and to help feed that crop along the whole entire growing season from start to finish. Okay. That's really interesting. Um, I'm sure there's and you've already talked about lots of the the benefits of this. And I, I would think primarily, you know, kind of that longer, uh, slower release to really maximize the benefits of having nitrogen in your soil throughout the cropping season. Are there other reasons why a grower might choose that over, uh, you know, a traditional uh, urea product or other nitrogen product? Yeah, I think I think there's a few a few reasons, right? We, we see... Uh... Not only is it spoon feed the, the crop and it helps kind of fill uh, when it gets to pod fill or head fill if it's a cereal, um, we see it kind of help with uh, yield increases because it's helping right when he needs that critical nitrogen at those those times. Mm-hmm. It isn't uh, it isn't lost like other products could be like a urea pro- commodity product. Um, it could be lost to the, into the soil or the atmosphere. It's still there to to provide nitrogen to feed that crop, so mm-hmm. it's uh, there at the critical times. Uh, but in addition to that, it, it, um, it, it, funny enough, you know, if you bring it home and put it in your blend in the, in the fall and, and store it over winter, every spring we have people kind of hammering on bins when the moisture starts to, 
just things start to melt and the snow is going away and, and you get products set up in there. It flows so smoothly with that polymer coating that it, it, a lot of people like it because they don't have to uh, bang on bins and, and fight with it to get their fertilizer out in the spring. So there's some, <laughs> some incremental benefits in that regard as well, too. But uh, yeah, it definitely can help, uh, you know, with things like protein and wheat. We've seen trials over the years where if, uh, all things being equal, if, if the moisture is there, and the crop is growing actively, we've seen some increases again, because as, as the, the crop is going into, uh, into heading and, and starting to, to fill those seeds, we see a higher protein in some cases too, uh, anywhere from uh, you know, no increase in some years up to as much as 1% increase in protein we've seen in okay. some years too. So there's those benefits as well. Excellent. For people who, who use single shoot as well, uh, when, they're, when they're seeding, uh, it, it's, uh, it provides that seed safety. You don't get the same seed burn as you would if you had urea with the seed, right? That salt index. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so single shoot systems, it works quite well too. So you still have to follow your, your seed uh, guidelines, um, but it does allow you more uh, in the form of the to go with, with the seed versus a uh, urea. We've already mentioned that rising fertilizer costs are going to continue to be top of mind for, for producers this coming year. Um, and, and, you know, maximizing that bottom line benefit is always a, always a concern. So can you give our listeners a little bit of a cost comparison here? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It always comes down to costs uh, with everybody, right. At some point. Um, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, just as we're, you're talking there, Stephanie, about, um, you know, just the, the convenience, but that, that was another thing that popped into my head a bit with price of fuel uh, that we're paying now, um, you know, and carbon tax is expecting to go up and we see all these things that are, that are unknown, just the even reduced applications or the reduced times over your field, right? If, if mm-hmm. you don't have to go out and, and uh, top dress uh, your, your crop uh, or side dress, depending on the crop, um, you know, middle season, you're saving some extra passes over that crop, uh, you know, that's going to add up as well for, for savings as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting to the cost part of it, yeah, typically what we've seen um, throughout the years is, you know, if people, uh, we always encourage them to, when you're buying urea, buy your ESN at the same time, because this, you'll lock in the, the premium that it is over at that point. So we see the premium uh, ranging anywhere from, depending when you're buying it, but we've seen it anywhere from 15 to 20 cents a pound over the cost of urea. So um for instance, you know, it, it ranges quite a bit. If you buy your, say this year, if you had bought your urea back in the summer and then waited till now to buy your ESN, there'd be, it'd be way beyond that because mm-hmm. just the cost of nitrogen itself has gone right. up so much right. um, due to a number of events uh, globally that we're seeing. Um, but yeah, typically we'll see it in that 15 to 20 cents per pound range. Um, you, if you look at it, say again, last year at this time, the, the, that premium over urea was probably 25% of the cost of urea mm-hmm. uh, or somewhere in that ballpark, right? This year with the cost of urea being so high, uh, it's about half of that. Like the premium itself is only about 12%. So on a percentage basis, it's, it's still quite low. Um, but overall, the premium itself is nitrogen is going up, the premium staying uh, constant. So okay. we typically uh, encourage growers to, to use as much as they can in the blend. Uh, but realistically, we see a lot of, in Western Canada, a lot of 50% urea, 50% ESN in a fertilizer blend. So kind of half and half is a rule of thumb. And the results that people have seen with that have been quite quite good over the years. So, okay. you know, when we're looking at that with this premium uh, that I was talking about, you're talking probably eight to 10 cents 
per pound uh, an acre that you're gonna you're gonna pay uh, uh, for the ESN portion of that blend. Uh, another way to look at it, talking about uh, kind of ballpark and rule of thumb for using ESN, mm-hmm. we say kind of a dollar fifty to two dollars an acre for every ten pounds of of nitrogen in the form of ESN that you want to use. So okay. uh, it's a couple of different ways of looking at it, but yeah. Um, sure. that's kind of what we we see typically uh from year to year it's just this year on a cost per ton uh that's it's just so exacerbated by the the rise in in urea mm-hmm. um and and so one thing we think um you know this year when we talk about nitrogen loss um it's think of it like insurance too right if you think we if we have a, a huge rainfall event uh, in the say in june or july when the crop's actively growing we talked about earlier about that that uh, rain event and how much it can leach in different soils. Right, right. That's a lot of money. Uh, if your urea is tied up at, you know, $1,200 to $1,400 a ton, depending what mm-hmm. people bought it for, that's a lot of money, right? In, in some of these forms of nitrogen loss, you can lose anywhere from 40 up to 50% at times of your, of your nitrogen. So you're talking $500, $600, dollars a ton now. Uh, that's a huge amount of your investment to be lost uh, below the, the plant's root zone or up into the atmosphere. Yeah. And we hear a lot of people say, well, well, we can go out and top dress later. Um, if, if the market comes down, uh, which, which hopefully it will come down uh, to more affordable levels come summer uh, to maybe do top dress. But even then uh, you're, you're, you're paying so much upfront and then you're still potentially going to lose uh, $600 of it. So yeah. uh, the way we look at it is, yeah, for it's it's a lot of money to pay uh, for nitrogen these days, but for a small investment, it's uh, peace of mind and saves you those passes and saves you having to worry about that. Um, and if you do have that, hopefully we will have those rainfall events this year. Um, that nitrogen, <laughs> yeah, that nitrogen's still there for them and they're not losing that much per acre in, in loss, hopefully. Yeah, definitely. You know, those careful calculations, sometimes the numbers seem daunting, I would imagine at first. And then when you actually sit down and uh, calculate, you know, all of the factors that go into growing your crop, right. And the choices that you have to make um, sometimes a little extra calculation goes a long way. So it's really, hopefully uh, not many people have to, uh, I hopefully we get the rain, but I hoping Mm -hmm. that many people don't lose that much money in uh, Mm -hmm. in, uh, leaching or or another form of loss uh, with rain this summer, but yeah, it's Definitely. potential out there, depending on your, again, on your soil type and, uh, and how much rain you get in one event. Yeah, you bet. Well, Todd, this has been great. Is there any, um, any other final thoughts or, or, uh, you know, pieces of advice you'd like to share with our listeners uh, before we sign off today? Um, just, yeah, no, I think, uh, again, we, we talked about soil tests being so important this year that that's definitely uh, top of mind, I think, as we mm-hmm. head into spring, but um, yes, yeah, as, as far as people having any questions, we have a, a dedicated website just uh, within Nutrient just for our specialty products and for ESN specifically, uh, if anyone wants more information, they can go to uh, smartnitrogen.com. There's tons of tr- historical trials and just product information. We've got all kinds of stuff over the last, you know, as I say, 20 years that we've been kind of uh, collecting slowly and putting on that site. Um, and then we also have a couple of marketing reps that work here in Western Canada that if you have questions, them uh, or one of our agronomists uh, on staff can help you out with answering questions or uh, if, barring all that, uh, I would say talk with your local agronomist that you utilize or uh, your local retailer, whoever that may be in your area. They all should be very familiar with the product and, and can give you some recommendations as well. Excellent. Lots of resources. 
hopefully yeah. uh, we hope our, our listeners will take advantage of that. So wonderful. Well, it was great to chat with you today, Todd, and uh, yeah, thanks very much for the information. Thank you, Stephanie. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager. To catch up on all of our other episodes, visit topcropmanager.com slash podcasts.